On the block, on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champion. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They'll look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio, 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utica, what's happening, Mohawk Valley? Hello, hello, Utica. Great to have you on board as always, or perhaps you're listening while you're strolling in the 105-degree heat index at the Great New York State Fair. Stay hydrated and stay listening to this year radio station, this year radio program on the ESPN app. You download the app, you put it on your phone, you find the Listen tab, you find ESPN Syracuse, and away you go. It's as simple as that. Uh, saw a good friend of mine yesterday, while I was getting my oil, oil changed, who said that very thing. He said, I'm always here in the office, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm moving around, but I got you on the app, man. See? So I like to hear. you got to be with the hip cats that get the apps on their phone. So that's a great way to stay in touch with the program, to listen to the program. Here is how you reach out and Give us your hot takes through the day. That's hot. 437-7644. That's the phone number. You can tweet the program. Brent Axe Media. Brent Axe Media, where the show never stops. Or you can use the On the Block text line at 288-0644 to fire off some sporting takes that way. We have two guests that will join us today. Looking forward to speaking with both of these gentlemen. We're going to learn a little bit more about this Western Michigan team that the Orange open up the season Friday night, three days away, football, football, football. Patrick Nofaft is a writer for the Kalamazoo Gazette, part of the MLive.com. Advanced Media Conglomerate, our advanced media friends at MLive.com. He uh, covers a number of things for the Kalamazoo Gazette, including that uh, Western Michigan football. So we will get his take on a quarterback returning from injury, what he feels the strengths and weaknesses of this Western Michigan team are. I want to know what it's like to play in that stadium. I want, you know, it's literally built into a hill. It's a unique kind of smaller stadium that Syracuse is used to playing in. Road atmosphere, Friday night in the MAC, which of all the storylines here, one thing that has not really been explored that much, and we will explore it when we talk to Dino Babers on this show later this week. Thanks, Brent. You coach. Dino used to coach in the MAC. He knows what it's like to take a team into these stadiums. What's the home atmosphere at Western Michigan like? What are their expectations? How are they feeling about Tim Lester as the head coach? We'll get into all that with Patrick Nothaft. He will join us right here in this hour about 420. 
Later in the 5 o'clock hour of the program, about 5.20, Mike Waters. Know that guy. Syracuse.com. Give him a follow on the Twitter, too. we got some hoops things to get into with Mike. we got Darius Baisley. We've got some recruiting news to get into. Mike's been writing some good stuff as of late, so we will bring him on and do that. little hoops talk here in late August. As they, as they once said in the uh, Jefferson's theme song, I believe, because there ain't nothing wrong with that. Hot takes to come. Not only, not only are we going to play How Long Can I Take a Take today? Guess what? We've got production now. It's now time for How Long Can Brent Take a Take. How about that? we got the voice guy involved. Huh? Fantastic. Take that. Yeah, take that. Boom. Oh, I'm so excited about this. We got, uh, the other day I was in the office and Paulie said, hey, do you want the voice guy to do anything? And I had a list. I had a list and that was on it. So how long can I take a take? Does the NFL need an 18-game season and a prominent broadcaster about to move on from somewhere that uh, he's been associated with his whole career? Top five Tuesday as well. That voice guy's going to be busy today. Number five. Top five teams in college football and the National Football League. I do it every Tuesday throughout football season. It's not technically football season quite yet because the real meat and potatoes of the college football and NFL seasons have not begun yet. But we got to give you a little sneak peek before we start getting into that. So that'll be later in the show. A couple things I want to come out of the gate with. One is the pitfalls Syracuse has to be careful of at Western Michigan. But I wanted to circle back on this Darius Baisley thing that we discussed a little bit on yesterday's show for two reasons. One is Jim Beheim had some comments on that. And the other reason is I checked in with the scout who knows on Darius Baisley. And as you would suspect, the news isn't good. Now, it's not to say this kid won't get drafted, won't have a professional basketball career of some sort. But the reason we call him the scout who knows is he knows. He's been pretty spot on with his assessment of where Syracuse basketball players had gone in recent years. He had been pretty adamant all along about Tyus Battle, just the latest example that he shouldn't go into the draft. It wasn't a good draft for him to go in. He should go back and work on certain things, and we discussed that, and Battle ultimately came back, and uh, he feels will benefit from that, as most people feel he'll benefit from that. So I figured, hey, we might as well check in with the scout who knows on this Darius Baisley thing, and just to circle back for those of you that don't know, so Darius Baisley, of course, big-time Syracuse basketball recruit, top-ten recruit by some measures, five stars, Cincinnati kid, was going to come in and and by all measures be a one-and-done player, be a high-impact player, one of those latest in college basketball trends. You bring him in, you you get as much as you can out of him in a season, and then you you watch him go be a first-round draft pick. Well, he decides... Instead of coming here, he is going to just forego the college experience altogether and play in the G League. Okay. Well, then, just the other day, the Athletic reports that he doesn't even want to do that. He's just going to work out for a year, see how that works out for him, see what I did there, and then see what the NBA draft brings. Now, a lot of experts are kind of looking at this saying, well, this is certainly the path not taken here. This is a unique way you're trying to go about carving yourself a professional basketball career. So here's what the scout who knows said about this kid today. Quote, 
I know he hasn't been getting positive feedback from NBA people. He wasn't going to get drafted in the G League draft. He hasn't looked good at any of the prep showcases he's been in. Wouldn't surprise me if he never plays an ounce of professional basketball anywhere. Goes on to say this. This should be a cautionary tale to any high schooler who thinks they can jump right into the NBA. It happens, but very, very rarely. So the scout who knows are dropping the hammer on that. Jim Beheim was asked about it by Adam Zagoria and said this, quote, that always helps. You see any freshman that comes in, like we had Malachi and Tyler Ennis, when they have a good freshman year and their college team wins, that's a big advantage when you get an opportunity to move into the NBA. Goes to say this about uh, Baisley, quote, now they'll have nothing to look at except the McDonald's game and the limited games he played. I think he's got tremendous upside, but I think it will cost him. I think he could have moved into the first round with a good college year. I don't know if he can be a good first-round pick now. They've got nothing to go by, which I think, and I'm not saying I agree with this, but I think he's just kind of banking on that. He's going on intrigue, upside, mystique. What's he got? We'll work him out personally. All it takes is one general manager to fall in love with that upside, can stash him in the G League. You know, Ironic that he would skip the G League draft this year, but could end up there in the future. And Beheim had some more things to say. You can read that via, uh, let's see, flowhoops.com, where Adam Zagoria writes now. It's just such a unique story, but it seems, you know, if anything, it could create one hell of a comeback story, one hell of an overcoming the odds thing, because he defied the path there. Because Beheim's right. You come to a program at a high-profile ACC school, you have a good year. Malachi Richardson certainly benefited benefited, pardon me, from a strong NCAA tournament. Tyler Ennis caught fire late and was in a draft where, you know, he was in the right position, which sometimes timing is everything in life. Both of those teams had pretty good runs, one being a Final Four run, one being, a you know, that uh, Tyler Ennis team lost to Dayton, which, you know, happens in the tournament. But both used that exposure to get NBA first-round draft pick status. The fact that Baisley's not even going to try in the G League and as the scout who knows intimated there, he wouldn't even gone in the G League draft just based on workouts. I can only say four words to that. Good luck with that. So we'll see where that goes. Some interesting feedback on that. On the football front, there's a few pitfalls that Syracuse has to avoid Friday night. Some of these are obvious, but I think have to be stated. One is turnovers. Because when you go into the first game of the season – you're rusty, you're trying to get things flowing, you're in a road environment against a team that believes it can beat you, against a coaching staff that is motivated to prove that firing them was the wrong thing. Although, look, Tim Doust and Tim Lester, respectively, who both joined me this week on the block, ESPNSyracuse.com and the Audio Vault, if you missed those interviews, have landed in better places. Tim Lester's a head coach now. Tim Doust is at a place where he likes to be as a defensive coordinator and is one step away from being a head coach. They're both at higher positions than they were here. But ego's a funny thing. Scott Schaefer came in and was out to prove that Syracuse made a mistake by firing him, and he succeeded. Won a game and got the smoke a cigar in the bowels of the Carrier Dome, and will always have that. His last two games coaching in the Dome, even though he was no longer the head coach, I mean, technically for, technically for one game, but wins his last game, gets carried off, by the team on his shoulders, comes in as a short press conference, drops the mic and goes, 
returns via some creative scheduling and gets to walk out again victorious. This one's not in the Dome, of course, but Lester and Dallas not only know this quarterback and know a lot of this personnel, but they're going to be out to prove that they can do this. So you're going to get a motivated team, a team that's had more NFL draft picks than Syracuse in the last three years, a road environment. They're going to run the ball a lot, but I think we all know Tim Lester's got a couple bags, a couple bags, a couple tricks in his bag. He's got a lot of bags, that guy. Hopefully they clear security. No, he's got a lot of tricks in his bag. He's got a lot of tricks up his sleeve. He's an offensive-minded coach. He's got a new wide receiver, a transfer from Michigan, who we'll ask uh, Patrick Nofaft about here in a few minutes, who was kind of the speed breakaway guy that they were looking for. They have a lot of experience back at wide receiver, but what they didn't have is kind of that breakaway player. Well, now he's got that in Drake Harris, the transfer from Michigan. You know that they're going to pull out all the stops to try and pull off upset and get their season off to a great start and beat the ACC team. So Syracuse has to start well. They have to avoid the turnovers. They've got to get the offense going. We know that defense is going to be trying to find itself in that first game. I think that Lester's going to challenge them. I think he's going to throw the ball over the middle of the field. I think he's going to find ways to incorporate the linebackers, which Antoine Cordy will be tested right from the start and you know, they say football comes down to the fourth quarter, but I think this is a game that we won and lost in the first half. Because if Syracuse comes out, establishes their offense, put puts Western Michigan back on their heels, takes the crowd out of it, protects the football, I think, you know, that's the type of Syracuse team that gets rolling. Nate Mink made a great point on the show yesterday. One thing the Syracuse defense has to do a lot more of this year is create turnovers because they were amongst the bottom teams in the country in doing that last year. Having a guy like Antoine Cordy back in the mix will certainly help that. But everybody has to contribute there. So I want to get into this a little bit more with our our guest coming up because he knows a lot more about that environment and what kind of team Syracuse is facing than we do. Let's take a phone call before we break. Always good to hear a Scooter in Jamesville on the block, ESPN Radio. Scoot, how's your summer been, buddy? Yeah, it's been good, buddy. Unfortunately, me being a big football fan, I hate seeing the summer end, so I don't wish it away. But since, since it has to end, then... You know, let's get it on now, okay? That's right. That's right. So, you know, it's too bad, actually. I, I talked earlier this summer about the state of New York's going to have sports betting by uh, by September, and I was waiting because I had a thing for your six-pack coming up that's more of a seasonal thing. Uh, I think uh, if if that was going to the Meadowlands, was their closest destination to go if you were going to put in a sports bet, I think the uh, Boise State is a little overrated this year, unfortunately. And uh, they actually almost lose Detroit this week. But if, the, if you took the under for total wins this year, I think you'd be looking at uh, probably a winner. But uh, since we can't do anything in the state of New York, if well, everybody's traveling down to the Meadowlands, yeah. it might be a, worth a shot. might be worth that five-hour uh, drive yeah. to Jersey. And uh, I would keep an eye on the FanDuel DraftKings sites of the world. I don't know if you can bet on individual games on those sites, but... Uh, you know they're saying that you can be you can bet on sports in certain ways that you couldn't in those sites before, given uh, all these uh, rules and regulations that that are coming down. So I don't know you if you could put one on Boise State, but you might be able to uh, you know for entertainment purposes only see yeah. what you can do there. But uh, you're right about the X Men. I, I I thought the banana peel game issue was right off the back with like Western Michigan. It's like I knew Middle Tennessee was going to be the banana peel last year, but yet I think this year and. 
Florida State might be your skin game. Uh, new coach, new system. And one thing I know if you noticed, X-Man, ever since Central Florida, uh, Florida Atlantic with Land Kippen, and, and, and Central Florida and uh, South Florida have gotten better, I don't think Florida State's getting the depth. I think they look at last year, all the injuries. Usually you just replace a, a, a receiver that can run a 4-2 with another receiver. But yet last year when Syracuse played them, I thought Syracuse athletes were just as good as Florida State's, and I think that's the type of team that maybe comes back to the pack a little bit because I think if you take away the brand name, Bobby Bowden was 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 actually Florida State. He's the one that built the program. For some reason, Jumbo Fisher just didn't get along. They won a national title, but yet he took the first out he could. So maybe you know, maybe Florida State's the team that comes back to the pack, and Syracuse can be competitive. I think this year. That would be our skin game. I could see why people would point at that game and potentially say that can be it. It's early in the year. They do have a new coach. They do have a new system. But Florida State's athletes far and away still outrank Syracuse. Syracuse is catching up. They were competitive in that game last year. But you got to remember, Florida State, that was a unique season. Their quarterback goes down. They had other injuries. Jimbo Fisher, there was a lot of you know discussion in Tallahassee that he was on his way out and the rumors were flying like it just wasn't a good year all around. That team still got a lot of athletes. They've got two great running backs, Cam Akers in particular. They did lose some guys to the NFL. But they're, you know, yes, you are absolutely right to say South Florida, Central Florida, Florida Atlantic with Lane Kiffin are picking up athletes and are rising as programs. But Florida State, you know, didn't become like a, a middle-of-the-ground ACC program overnight. They're still pretty darn good. And by the way, we talk a lot about Clemson's defensive line. Florida State's, if it weren't for this all-time historic defensive line that Clemson has, Florida State's is unbelievable, too. So before you start writing in that upset, I would not discount Florida State. And remember, the main reason Syracuse beat Clemson last year, honestly, was Kelly Bryant went. Let's shift gears back to that first game, Western Michigan. Let's learn about the Broncos coming up. Patrick Nothaft, MLive.com, the Kalamazoo Gazette joins us next. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Whoa, what's this? Do we end up in church or something? Oh, no. The B-52s. Telling you, man, that 80s bump, pick and take you on wild adventures. Welcome back. Uh, can I just share something with you briefly before we get into hot takes? We got production for how long can I take a take, and I, I got all kinds of goodies here. But can I just share something with you here briefly? Um, it's unavoidable sometimes if you have a dog, particularly if your dog gets spayed or neutered or gets uh, some kind of surgery so they don't gnaw at their stitches, but... My poor Summit, the puppy, has a big old cone on her head right now, which never is something a dog gets used to, and she's bumping into stuff, and she can't sleep in her crate at night. She whines, so I kind of have to, like, section off the kitchen, and even that she's kind of not used to, and it's just, we have put a man on the moon, right, but we still have to put these giant cones on these dogs so they won't, you know, do damage to their stitches after surgery. It's amazing to me. Like, like 
on its other note, my daughter recently got braces, and I'm like, braces are like exactly the same when I had them. It's funny how certain things evolve in technology, and then there's we still have to put cones on dogs' heads, which this is always about me, of course. I feel bad for the dog. Don't get me wrong, but my sleep schedule has has not been good. Has not been good as of late because the dog's got a cone on her head, and it just it all goes downhill from there. So anyway, I, I thank you for indulging me there. Anybody that's gone through the, the cone head situation knows what I'm talking about. Hit me with that fancy over. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. <laughs> it's time for hot takes on the block. It smells bad. She licks it all the time. Be in the other room. All of a sudden, you're thump. It's the worst. And I think it can't come off for another week, too. So pray for Brent. All right. What do we got here? We've got production. That's what we got. Not only do we have the fancy open. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to play our favorite game here in Hot Takes, which is how long can I take a take? And it's uh, just as simple as it sounds, folks. We queue up a take, in this case from Max Kellerman of First Take on ESPN. We start the clock, and basically we see how long I can take this take. So this is Max Kellerman, who's a little angry at Tiger Woods because he wouldn't criticize President Trump. So hit me with this fancy open. It's now time for How Long Can Brent Take a Take? All right, start the clock, start the take, let's go. I want to say something about what Tiger Woods said. Okay, go ahead. It really bothers me. I, I don't. I am angry at what Tiger Woods said mm-hmm. because it is it is a thoughtless statement dressed up as a thoughtful statement, and it either holds in contempt the intelligence of the people who hear it, or else it's just a stupid thing to say. Okay, stop the clock. What do we get at there, boys? Sixteen seconds. Sixteen seconds for how long can I take to take? Take that. Yeah. Oh, production. The boys have been working hard. Once in a while, these guys get creative. That is such a nonsense take. Listen, Charles Barkley said it best once. I'm not a role model, and he's 100% right. Now, by their actions in public, do they become role models whether they want to or not? Yes, they do. Kids will emulate athletes no matter how many times, you know, parents and others will tell them, don't do that. Forcing athletes to have a, a opinion on, in this case, what is something that is something we discuss a lot on this program. And Yay, democracy! Despite the stick to sports people out there, it's unavoidable. President Trump dips his toe in the sports water often because it rallies his base. He's talking about Tiger, Jim Brown, the anthem controversy, right? This is something that he knows he can go to to stir up support. Tiger Woods is under no obligation to tell you what he feels about President Trump. Tiger was asked at a press conference about, I think it was race relations and things that the president's saying. He gave a very respectful answer. He said, you know what, it's the office of the presidency and you have to respect that. And just because, and then there was a follow-up question in Tiger's you know, response to that follow-up question, which was another like serious all-world issue, was, you know what, I just played 72 holes of golf. I'm pretty hungry. Like, he wasn't playing the game. 
Michael Jordan once famously said, Republicans buy sneakers too, right? Sometimes I don't care what athletes think about Tiger Woods, about the world, about things around them. If it's said intelligently, if it's said in a way that I respect, then, then I'll listen to it. I think President Trump was dead wrong attacking LeBron James the way that he did, right? I mean, we can look at all these cases individually, not put them under one umbrella. But I also feel for Max Kellerman to be angry that Tiger Woods brushed that aside, Tiger Woods is at a press conference where he is under the impression he's going to answer questions about golf. And just because some New York Times reporter parachutes in there and is looking for some kind of juicy soundbite and he doesn't play ball, you know what? Too bad. That's what athletes do sometimes. You get those type of responses to more world issues, more in one-on-one situations, you know, magazine articles or kind of like the Tom Rinaldi, you know, piano music playing Tiger. Talk about President Trump, right? Like you get answers like that in those settings. You're not going to get, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But for a guy like Tiger, remember Tom Brady the other day, we brought this up, hung up on WEEI where he does a weekly radio spot because he didn't like the questions he was getting. You know what? There are people in this world that have that leverage and don't have to play your game. And Tom Brady and Tiger Woods are right at the top of that list. That's hot. Tiger Woods wants to talk about Trump. And by the way, Tiger has played golf with Trump, Bush, Obama, and Clinton, Republicans, Democrats, everywhere in between. If he doesn't want to tell us what his political views are on something, even as a prominent African-American athlete, he doesn't have to. And the fact that Max Kellerman and some of these, you know, frankly, left wing, and I'll say it. So, yeah, I don't always pick on the other side. Left wing agenda, sports writers get upset because he doesn't play their game. Well, you know what I say to that? Too freaking bad. Maybe he doesn't want to. It, 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 it is incredible to me how people just expect these athletes to have like these all world views on things. The ones that do great, they're well-rounded. They're not afraid to express an opinion, knowing how polarizing it'd be, but not everybody's got to play that game. And frankly, I don't think a lot of people want to know what Tiger Woods thinks about certain things in life. So Jerry Jones feels that uh, 18 games would be better for the national football league with two preseason games. Quote, I think candidly, it's probably physically better for players than it is to have a longer preseason, the longer practicing. Our studies show that we actually have a ramped-up injury situation with players during preseason as opposed to the injury factor in the regular season. Jones acknowledging, quote, that it's debatable as to whether there's more of a health risk, but said, quote, I think it's defensible. And really, I did present it on the basis that it's something that will create a safer game for the players. Now, I think Jerry Jones is starting to make a good point there. But ultimately, if you play 18 NFL football games at full speed, you cannot convince me that's safer. I don't care how you practice, when you practice, and every other who, what, where, why, and how word you use. Playing 18 NFL football games, even with an extra bye week, no matter how you pad that, that's not safer. This is their answer. This is how the NFL owners have held you, the fans, hostage, and many people hostage over the years, because we all have come to the point where we know four preseason games is wholly unnecessary in the game we live in today. Two is fine. I think you have to play a couple preseason games just to get the rust off and get to the flow of the game, but 
with practices the way that they are, and yes, they're not as physical as they used to be, but minicamp, OTA, the minicamp of the minicamp, voluntary workout, non-voluntary workout. These guys are there all year now. You don't show up in July and get in shape for a football season. We don't need two extra preseason games. And the fact that NFL owners still continue to charge NFL fans for a shoddy product full price is still one of the great scams in all of sports. Just get rid of the other two preseason games. You'll be fine. You're all swimming in cash. Billion dollars. Quite literally, like Scrooge McDuck every morning. You get rid of something that fans have been screaming at you forever to get rid of. Would I like two more football games on the schedule? Well, of course I would. I'm a football fan, but I also... There, there is no way you can convince me that playing two more NFL games at full speed makes the game safer. That's hot. How is that possible? It's just, that's not possible. It's not possible. All the percentages go up for chance of injury, chance of head trauma, chance of all these things that we talk about. It's just, you can add an extra bye week. You can do what you want to do, but it's, it's simple math. You play two more NFL football games, the chances of the game being safer go down. Not up, right? Big media news out there, kids. Bob Costas and NBC reportedly parting ways, according to Andrew Marchand of the New York Post, who's been breaking media stories left and right. Now, this is a mutual parting of ways. Costas has been there for nearly four decades as the lead announcer for the Olympics, the World Series, the Super Bowl. He's done late-night talk shows there. He has a contract through 2021 Basically, Costas now is kind of like the sports guy emeritus. They kind of break him out when they need him to go on the Today Show and opine on something. But Mike Tirico is the main NFL host now. Our buddy Liam McHugh is also now a main NFL host. Costas stepped down from the Olympics, which Tirico now also does. Uh, NBC doesn't do baseball anymore. NBC, uh, Costas has stepped away from football coverage. He's been very vocal about his stance, speaking of safety and helmet issues and concussion issues. So, Costas basically has nothing left to do. Costas wants to pursue a journalism show that would feature interviews, commentaries, and a critical look at the world of sports and perhaps other topics. Now, there is the NBC Sports Network, which I don't know why they haven't worked something out there. Maybe Costas doesn't feel that as the audience to do this type of show. But Costas and NBC, I mean, that is peanut butter and jelly. That is Bonnie and Clyde. That is, you think of a pairing that you think of one, you immediately think of the other. Those two are in the same sentence. So it, it, I think it would be very curious and interesting to think of a world where Costas isn't at NBC, does the MLB network. It's not completely a foreign concept, but if I'm ESPN, and I know I have outside the lines, Bob Lee's taking a few months off, FYI, do I give him a format there? If I'm HBO, if I'm Netflix, like, Costas even brought this up in, in the article in the New York Post that there's a number of formats he can go to now to do what he kind of wants to explore. And, look, Costas is a great baseball announcer. He just went into the Hall of Fame for that. We interviewed Costas about that on my podcast about a month or so ago, which you can still find on iTunes and Google Play, the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Go check it out. It was a great conversation with Bob. But you know when Costas is at his best? When he does that type of show, a long-form journalism show, a talk show. that Bob Costas later, I used to stay up and watch that, and that thing was on really late at night. Grandpa can't stay up that late anymore. But that show, I think, would do a lot better in this era where, you know, everything's on YouTube the next day, right? 
Costas is at his best doing that, in my humble opinion. And trust me, I'm a Costas aficionado. Great play-by-play guy, great broadcaster, essays, the things that he's done. But give him this format, and I'm in. And if I'm Netflix, I'm just throwing more money at something like that. And on that note, we will break. We will come back with an update. We'll talk some SU football. Mike Waters is going to join us next hour. we got some hoops crouton to get into. we got top five Tuesdays. I do it throughout the football season, both college football and the NFL. we got a lot more to do here on the block. Hope you can hang out with us. We'll be back after this. Thank you. Bye-bye.